happy birthday and welcome to Shuffle Buddies, <laughs> episode eight. Yeah. If you're wondering who I'm wishing a happy birthday, it is Casey. Yeah, it was my birthday two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. But we're still really <laughs> celebrating because we're doing a lot this weekend. Yeah, we're going sure. to the Hewing Hotel tonight. Mm -hmm. I feel okay telling people where we're going because by the time people hear this, <laughs> We won't be there anymore. Yeah, and then you, <laughs> so, then you creepers can't find us. Exactly, exactly. I'm super excited. It's a little rainy out right now, so hopefully by the time our 6 p.m. hot tub reservation comes yeah. to play, it'll be a little bit nicer out, but Because it's on way, the roof. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. But either way, it's a hot tub and it'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been fun. I've been full of sweets for the past day, <laughs> multiple days, because we did go out for dinner on my birthday, which was a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And my parents came down and met up and we sat out on a patio because we're still unvaccinated. Yep. Um, and my mom brought cupcakes. She's so sweet. And it is enough cupcakes to spell out happy 36th Casey. So there's a lot of cupcakes. Yep. <laughs> and then Chris also brought four pieces of cake uh, different types of treats from Cafe Latte. Yep. There was so. cheesecake and tarts and all sorts of stuff, and <laughs> which is not normally something I would have done, but I had a big present for Casey, but it hadn't arrived yet. So I was like, well, I have to bring something. So then I stopped <laughs> and grabbed these cakes. And then I felt bad that your mom had brought these cupcakes. And then I brought these cakes yes. minutes later, but... We ended up eating the cakes that night and we kind of just all took a little piece of all of them. So we got a nice little sampler and then we ate cupcakes for the la next couple of days. Um, but I was really lucky because even though I don't have an office to go to with my new company, they do uh, part of, I mean, a big, uh, the, I mean, the main part of the company is uh, photography. Mm -hmm. So they do have a studio. So I was able to drop off cupcakes at the studio. That so is something I miss. It's just not the that. place to ditch all of your unwanted <laughs> treats after you splurge a little bit too much. I know I haven't been baking it all because I, I would just eat it all because I don't have anywhere to put it. I don't have anybody to give it to, but it's been a very great couple of days. Yeah. And then for your birthday, we played a little game of Red Cathedral. Ooh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. That was my first time playing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Red Cathedral. It's a new game from Devere Games. And the designers are Shay S. and Isara C., which are the names listed on the box. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And Red Cathedral is a game where you're building St. Basil's Cathedral in oh. Moscow. Is that Basil's. Yeah, did I say that wrong? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's not basil. On, it's I mean, not I like basil. Yeah. It's just a, nice and refreshing. Yeah, but I, I picked it up the other day and I played it once and I was just like, man, this is a great little game. I think Casey will really love it. So when we were looking for something to play last night, we pulled it out. And yeah. uh, we might talk about it later, so I don't want to go into great detail. But I think we should definitely do a whole episode about it because I really, I really liked it. I would like... A reason to play it a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will. So the the thing I really like about Red Cathedral is that at in the center of the board, there's a rondelle and you roll these dice. And every turn when you want to collect resources, you just take one of the dice and move it along the board, mm -hmm. the number of pips shown on the dice, and then you re-roll it. And so even though you are just collecting resources to, to kind of build the tower, how you get the resources is always a little puzzle where you're yeah. looking at which dice you can move and how far can you move them and do they give you bonus actions. Yeah, and, and some two dice have special abilities or you can pay to move them a little bit further mm -hmm. if you need to, like scooch them. I didn't think it would be so hard to get the resources I needed, but it was there was a lot of friction. Yeah, yes, would be like would be the word I want to use. Like, there was, it was just tough. some turns where you're just like, none of these dice are working for yeah. me. I wish I had a couple more dollars, or I wish I could just you know. 
but there's a lot of ways to mitigate the dice. Yeah, overall, I think it's just a really fun little game. What I love about it is the size of the box, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I keep going on about. I you even posted a, about it. I posted about it on, on it's a perfect size. the social medias, but it's like a really solid, it's like a, I would say it's, if I had to compare it to something, I would say it's like maybe Rococo-esque because you're like collecting and fulfilling recipes to build different things. Yeah, yeah. In, in weight. Yeah, yeah. But it comes in just like a beautiful little tiny box um, and it doesn't, I mean, it takes up a fair amount of the table, but it just is like a beautiful little footprint. And yeah. as a person who's about to move <laughs> and looking nice. at my games, <laughs> I am just like, you know, the thing about games are the cap is never the price. The cap is never, I don't want to pay for this game. Oh, or like the limiting factor. The limiting factor of why I buy games or yeah. why I don't buy. It is literally like, I don't want to put another box of this size in my house. Yeah. And so if all publishers should take note and yeah. and make boxes <laughs> this size, because I will buy literally twice as many because I can fit twice can as fit many twice in the same amount of space. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me because it's like, it's packaged so well because everything like is fit in there. There's no filler where it's like the plastic trays that take up space. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of when you're produce shopping, you know, and you pick up like an orange and or like a lemon or something like that. You want to get the one that feels heavy for its size because mm-hmm. that means it's nice and juicy and delicious. Mm, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> and this box just kind of reminds me of that. Like it feels kind of heavy for its size because it's so perfectly packed and sized out i like it yeah so maybe at some point we'll return to the red cathedral but right now i am just kind of smitten by it just it kind of hits a lot of notes that i'm loving i really enjoyed it i'm, I'm glad you pushed it last night because it was between that and ginkopolis i think yes which, which i think you'll love ginkopolis too yeah but. i think i just had i had to learn both of them yep and you were thinking that it would be a little bit easier to learn red cathedral yep which red, was good because i didn't want a super heavy red night. cathedral has you know that decision of which die to move is fraught with difficult decisions and sometimes they're not working but at the end of the day you do just like pick one of these five dice and move it and so your options are limited and that's kind of nice to get going and to get up and learning it's really straightforward and fun mm-hmm. um, i was just looking up on the internet on my phone what I've been up to lately, because I finished the book by Amber Ruffin and her sister Lacey. Oh, yeah, you finished it. I finished that. It was such a good read. It was so, I wish you could see my face right now because it's either like I was like in shock. I'll describe it. Your face is, your eyes are wide and your mouth is open and oh your my hair is God. beautifully ruffled. Um, <laughs> laying on the couch all morning. <laughs> so I went between just like shock and laughter and shock and laughter because some of the stories in there, you're just like, I can't believe this is still. Like the people still do stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just an, it was a great book. It was a very easy read. And you did talk about it last yes. episode. You hadn't even started it at that point, I believe. Oh yeah. Was that the episode that we recorded and then decided not to put out? Oh yeah, maybe. So maybe. You... I think that might've been that one. Cause we tried to record an episode earlier and it just did not go very well. <laughs> and we've been so busy with just like life and work, but it's been, it kind of fell Buying behind. Yes, exactly. Since that episode was lost to time. Yes. Do you want to just bring people up to speed about what this book is about? I will, because it is really good. So the I looked it up because I don't have it right in front of me right now. But the title of it is "You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey: Crazy Stories About Racism." Yes. Um, and so Amber Ruffin, she's a writer for the Late Night Show with Seth Meyers, mm-hmm. and she is super funny. She has her own show, her own late, late, late night show. I think she's awesome. I love her. Uh, but her sister, they grew up in 
Omaha, Nebraska, and her sister still lives there. And she just has the craziest stories, the craziest interactions with people being just blatantly racist towards her. And she's like, what the frick are you doing? (laughs) And so Lacey will just call Amber all the time with all these stories. And then finally, they decided to compile the best ones, the worst ones into a book. And so this book is just hilarious because it's written... With the two of them kind of going back and forth, Amber is like the main narrator of the whole thing, kind of telling these stories that Lacey had told her. So it's, it really is shocking, but hilarious and really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was from racist donut shops to strangers putting their whole hand in her hair, from being mistaken for a prostitute to being mistaken for Harriet Tubman. <laughs> okay. Lacey is a lightning rod for hilariously ridiculous yet all too real anecdotes. So that's a little blip from one of the reviews. And now you're finished. And I'm finished with it now. But it was so good. And it was such an easy read. I was I read like half of it in one night and then kind of was able to just read the rest a little bit before bed every night. Um, so the next one I'm reading now is God Level Knowledge Darts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Life Lessons from the Bronx by Jesus and Marrow. These guys have like their own podcast, which I tried listening to, but there's too much of those sound effects and it's really loud. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't really listen to it. I like quieter things now. Should should I return this soundboard I bought for the the podcast? (laughs) Well, maybe. I mean, that would be fun. Maybe we would have nice and quiet sounds. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) We'll just have like the sound of board game rustling when you open it. (laughs) Some shuffling of cards. Yeah. Ooh. That's a good... Little, I like uh, that. Bridge, like, <gasps> yeah. That was and my mouth. Like, I didn't really even have a deck of cards. That was so good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, it just nice. sounds like cat purring or farting. Can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, these guys have their own podcast uh, and they have a show, I think, like on HBO, but it seems like maybe it was one of those like Vice shows. I honestly don't know a whole lot about them, but this book has been really fun. And another one that's easy to read, which actually is very similar to the Amber Ruffin book because it's the two of them mm-hmm. switching off. And so it's like in one font, it's Jesus, and then in the other font, it's Marrow. Oh, I see. And so they're kind of going back and forth and just kind of growing up in the Bronx and God-level knowledge starts <laughs> that they want to share out. And I, I'm digging it. And uh, that one's a really good, like, right before bed. Mm-hmm. And the other book I'm reading is a little heavier, much heavier. Um, and it's called The Color of Law. A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America by Richard Rothstein. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm borrowing it from you. Yes. Which basically is my book too now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I could get really into this. I've only read like the first chapter or so, but already he's... He's written this in a very scholarly way where he presents basically what he's going to be arguing for the rest of the book. Yep. Um, so I have an idea of what the rest of the book is going to be presenting. So I could really get into it, but I don't want to birdwalk too much and, and just kind of sink down a hole. So I'm going to read a really quick little blip from the uh, brief of this. So, uh, so exploding the myth of de facto segregation arising from private prejudice or the unintended consequences of economic forces, Rothstein describes how the American government systematically imposed residential segregation with undisguised racial zoning, public housing that purposely segregated previously mixed communities, subsidies for builders to create whites-only suburbs, tax exemptions for institutions that enforce segregation, oh my gosh, this is the longest sentence ever, and support for violent resistance to African Americans in white neighborhoods. So I feel like that kind of sums up 
the book and I won't say much past that because I this is already spending a lot of time but so far it's really good and I feel like it's just going to give me a lot of information to you know it, it will inform my future conversations and my future interactions so I'm really excited to continue reading it yeah all of that stuff that historical institutionalized racism and and structural oppression is super interesting and and yeah that reminds me of something else that I listened to this week which was a podcast that's a little bit more digestible because it's just a five-part podcast but mm -hmm. it's called nice white parents oh yeah and yeah, it's you told about, me about that. it follows kind of what's happening in the school system with the specific one school in the New York school district mm -hmm. and then it looks at the past and all of these things that happen and it is just fascinating to listen to and I started that podcast when I was working on a deadline mm -hmm. and I was like oh this might be a nice new podcast because none of my podcasts have updated because I've just been working too much and I have caught up yeah <laughs> I literally listened to all of them back to back so I probably listened to like seven hours of this podcast so it was oh, basically wow. like a small audiobook but it was yeah. just super eye-opening in ways that are even more aggressively racist and um how complicit people are and it, mm -hmm. and and how it, it comes from a place built into the structure yeah. of society and it's yeah. not that these parents are mean-spirited racist themselves but they, they all accept yeah they all participate in this system and yeah. it was just really incredible um and i feel like is that one it's like a really well done podcast yes. too right it's like one of those like npr kind of podcasts yes yep yep and it also is just super interesting because this woman must have been making this podcast for years because she has interviews with the same people over the course of at least five years i oh, think wow and so um you know so they come back to people when they're older further progressed through the school system, the same parents who were saying one thing then and then five years later didn't send their kids to these schools because actually they didn't like the the tone of the school or, you know, kind of like... Right. Yeah, and when you said that, he had the air quotes, <laughs> yeah, big the, air tone, quotes, the tone of like, the school. Like, I know what that means. And so it was just a lot more in-depth than I thought it would be. And I, I totally recommend it. it. It was so easy to listen to and super interesting from start to finish. Nice. That's awesome. I You texted me about that. And I feel like I've heard an episode on something else, like a radio lab that was promoting it or something mm -hmm. like that. And so I'm glad you told me about it because that kind of bubbled it back up for me. And I'm going to listen to it this week, I think. Yeah. Did you want to talk anything more before we jump into the main event? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I won't rush you. I won't rush okay. you. I, I do. I actually just want to quickly touch on a game that we played that puts us in the mood for the little... Uh, vacation we're going to take today and it's called open ocean <laughs> and open ocean is designed by joel bodkin and published by featherstone games mm -hmm. and in open ocean you're building a reef in the ocean that's meant to attract fish and build an ecosystem in each player's tableau in front of them and at its heart it's a drafting game where you're passing around cards and drafting them and then you're building a tableau in front of you that's a very kind of puzzly spatial tableau building game where you have to place little fish next to coral because they need to eat. Medium-sized fish have to go next to small fish, and then large fish go next to medium fish. Yep. So you're building out this coral reef by drafting cards, but you're also trying to build scoring opportunities spatially in front of you in the spatial tableau puzzle. Yes. It's really easy to kind of pick up and play. All you do is hand people a hand of cards, say choose one, everyone picks one, you play it into your reef, and then you just pass and do it again and again and again over th the course of three rounds. And what I thought was really fun about it is it did really have the feeling of creating a little ecosystem because yeah. of how that food chain works where 
the small fish always need to be next to coral. It was logical. Like, yeah. yeah. Like the placement decisions were logical. It is a it great example sense. of a game's mechanics being reinforced by the theme because it was just like, yes. you know, the fish need coral and they're hiding in this coral and yeah. they're feeding from this coral. All the dolphins stay together. <laughs> all the dolphins oh, stay in so a little cute. pack together. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot going on with it. It's I would say it's definitely like a step up from a sushi go. Yes. But yeah. it is still very much a family level game that you can pretty much teach to anyone i think in this case it'd be it's a little bit more of a teach from sushi go and so you know there's a lot more to remember in terms of like don't forget that you know you need to link these fish up to a coral and you you ran into a situation where you (laughs) you i had like one piece of coral yeah you had kind of built yourself into a corner with how your coral was set up and that really kind of screwed you in that game (laughs) a little bit so you can get you can get you can you can get punished a little bit in the game yeah um, i think the barrier to entry is a little bit higher than like a sushi go type of drafting game we had to revisit the rule book a couple of times during that first game there you know it did raise some questions but because of that higher barrier to entry I feel like it's much more replayable mm-hmm. because it will have more variety. There's a little bit more friction. I, now I'm using that term from you all the time. <laughs> There's a little bit more friction, but I feel like it's because of that, it's, you know, you have to think mm-hmm. a little bit more than you would with like a Sushi Go game. And so I feel like it's a little bit meatier. I think that might be because in Sushi Go, you play around and then you're like, well, I didn't score great in that round, but I played the next round from scratch. And then you just yeah. add three scores together where this you're building this ecosystem. Yeah, that's true. And if too. you f- mess up your ecosystem, you're kind of you're, you're like, ooh, I did a real bad job now and I'm working in a hole. But I thought it was really pleasant. So I'm really looking forward to bringing it to the cabin with my family. Yes, I think this will be really great for your nibblings. Yeah, because they love games like Sushi Go. And yeah. I think this will fit right along with that. And the illustrations are really cute. The yeah. art's really cute. And uh, yeah, and uh, full transparency, I work with the designer <gasps> and publisher. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and so um, he's a big famous. board game person and we were talking about board games and it came up and I bought a copy and I'm super happy to have played it and got to own it. So That's awesome. Yeah, so I love check that. it out. So it was a Kickstarter. So you can buy it from his website. I don't know if it's in retail channels yet, so you can go buy it from his website or something if you're looking to uh, check it out. But It's very nice and professional. It looks like a game you could find inside of Target. It's got one of those nice um, Magnet. magnetic boxes. Yeah, I do like that. <laughs> I do like those. We're just going to turn this into a game board box podcast <laughs> i'm all about the boxes do not give me these giant stupid boxes that, that don't even fit on a shelf i i want i want smart packaging <laughs> yeah that was a great game great cute little game that you can kind of bring anywhere maybe we'll bring that to the hotel maybe yeah we need some good games that we can just i like play on we're going to a fancy hotel for one night and we're like how many games <laughs> do we need seven what board games should we bring <laughs> So let's take a vacation to a beautiful garden now. Um, what is a garden? <laughs> a windy, uh, it's a windy day in this beautiful garden. But uh, I'd like to talk. <laughs> it's near the beach. <laughs> we went from the open ocean down the shore to this beautiful four gardens. We're going to talk about the game Four Gardens. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot what game we were talking about. <laughs> For some reason, I already thought we were going to talk about Red Cathedral, but this is a great game, Four Gardens. I actually didn't know the name of it. You didn't know the name of it because... I don't think it's on the box. It might be on the box, but small. Not in English. Yes. So Four Gardens is published by Korea Board Games Company Limited. 
and it's designed by Martin Dolezal. The art is by Rachance. So you might not have known the title because the box has all um, Korean writing on it. Yes, yeah, because you got this when you were. Did you get this when you were in Korea, or did you just buy it from? Nope, I just imported it. Import, okay. But yes, but I did. I did learn about the publisher when I was in Korea, and I bought a couple of their games. So this nice. is another one to add to that collection. I love it. In four gardens, a queen and her people pleased their gods by building a mystical pagoda, but the queen felt ill. I'm trying to think if I even need this backstory. I don't think I need this backstory. Oh, I kind of like it. I had okay, heard okay, it okay. I'll tell you. Okay, yeah, because I'll, I'll do it again. Tell the backstory because I actually I didn't hear the backstory before. We just I just got the rules and I want right. to hear this. So in the four gardens, a queen and her people pleased their gods by building a mystical pagoda, but then the queen fell ill, and it was decided that the crown would be passed on to the person who could build the most pristine garden around the pagoda. So the goal of Four Gardens is to accumulate the most points by completing landscape cards and finishing landscape sets. Each finished landscape creates a beautiful panoramic view of a garden. I love it. Four Gardens is a really simple game, so I think I can probably sum up how to play really quickly. So in Four Gardens, players start with a hand of five cards, and on your turn, you can either lay groundwork cards, which mean you're basically claiming an area of a garden that you're going to try to complete. Mm -hmm. You can acquire resources by turning this pagoda, pagoda which we'll get to in, in, I think, in the components segment. Uh-huh. Now we have segments, but in, <laughs> when we talk about the game, we'll talk a lot about this pagoda. But you can turn this pagoda structure and it will grant you resources and you can gain resources in that way. And then you can bring these resources to various groundwork cards that you've started and complete the recipe that's contained on them. And yes. once you do that, you flip the card over and score it. And it starts to create the landscape. And you get to do three actions per mm -hmm. turn. Yep. And it can be any of those three actions. You can choose any of those three actions, repeat one three times, or do three different ones. Mm -hmm. It's totally up to you. Yep. And each time you complete a full landscape, you gain favor with the gods along four separate scoring tracks. Mm -hmm. And if you fully complete a landscape, you get a special bonus tile. Yes. And so really what you're trying to do is lay down cards, fulfill the recipe on them, flip it over and score it. Yes. And the first person to complete, depending on the player count, 10 cards in a two-player game ends the game. And then you compare score and see who wins. And that's how you play Four Gardens. Yeah. This was a great one. It actually, now remembering back to it, it kind of is like Red Cathedral a I was little gonna bit. <laughs> because, um, you know, one of those special bonus tiles is an extra slot for your resources because right. you can only hold four resources at a time and so that right there adds some friction <laughs> <laughs> yes and so yeah one of your bonuses can be to add a fifth slot that, to that. was going to be one of my biggest points i think in oh this review so let's talk about the tower first though yeah. so th the tower is mm -hmm. something that when you walk by this and see it somebody playing at a table you'll probably stop and do a double take because it has a four story probably 12 inch at least maybe 16 inch tower in yeah. the middle of the table. Yeah. Um, that's totally 3D. It's made of four different structures that are kind of stacked on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, like they they look like boxes, like yeah. four cardboard boxes stacked one on top of the other with a dowel running through the middle of it so they are together. Together, yeah. And what you do on your turn, if you choose to rotate the uh, pagoda to gain resources, you play a card which tells you which segment of the four segment tower you need to rotate, and then mm -hmm. you can rotate it left or right. Yeah. When you rotate it, it rotates the one you're rotating and every pagoda yeah. segment above it. 
on each segment, there are resources, and it's either zero, one, two, or three of four different resource types, rock, grass, grass, water, and... Stone? Stone. Oh, no. Did you say rock already? Yeah. So wood. It's wood, stone, grass, and water. Yes. <laughs> so what you do is you turn one of the segments, and then once you've turned it 90 degrees, mm -hmm. you gain everything on the side that's facing you. So it's a very spatial game. Whatever yes. faces me is going to be different than what's facing you. The card that you play yes. to do this action not only tells you which segment to rotate, mm -hmm. it also tells you what direction you get to pick the resources. That's you true. can either draw from the top down or from the bottom up, which really makes a difference because you can only hold four resources mm -hmm. and some of these segments give you three resources. Mm -hmm. So if you go from the top down and right away there's three rocks at the top, you're like, well, I have three rocks now, but I really needed, you know, three grass yeah. or something like something that. Something further like you down can't, the chain. Yep. Yeah. You might not even make it to the grass yeah. to get that resource. It really adds an extra layer to how you're going to fill up your, your resource slots. Right. So it is the first immediate puzzle mm -hmm. where you kind of have to look at this pagoda and you say, okay, these are the resources that are facing me. I have cards that let me turn this level, this level, and this level, and they also let me collect either top down or bottom up. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of assess these five cards and how you can rotate the pagoda, and then you yeah. can say, okay, and I really need these resources. How am I going to do it? It's a slightly more complex puzzle than you might think it is when you start playing it. Yes, especially because... Especially because... Then the other person's going to rotate it. Yes. You know, and you're just like, okay, okay. So my next turn, I'm going to like rotate it to the left. And I'm going to get all these resources. And then the other player goes and totally screws it up. Yeah. And then even if what's in front of you is like exactly what you want, you still have to rotate it. You can't n just choose not to rotate. Mm -hmm. It always bit me. <laughs> like everything was exactly how I wanted it to be. And then you would rotate it. And I'd be like, dang it. Yeah. Now I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a really interesting way of gathering resources because it's, it, it is such a decision of uh, how you're going to rotate it. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, when you first start playing it, you're like, well, I want the side with all the threes on it. Right. But it has that super smart, and I think it's really where the game lies, is you can only hold four resources. Yep. So you need to make sure you don't get some resources, because if something's in the middle of that tower, mm -hmm. you need to make sure to skip the rocks so you can get the wood and grass in the yeah. center or something like that. Yeah. And you can't opt to not take resources. Correct. Anything you have on your thing, you have to take them top down and you just stop taking them as soon as your little resource holder is full, mm -hmm. which at the start of the game is only four. You can extend it to five, which is a huge deal, but yeah. still not that many. I, I don't know if we want to get this far into it right now, but I am already ready to talk about like the landscape cards because yeah, one let's... of the big things that I found out after my first game when I was learning it was you need to have some landscape cards played so you know what resources to get. Mm -hmm. But like playing landscape cards costs actions and then getting the resources cost an action. And then those resources that you get, you don't get to play them directly onto the cards. You have to slot them in your four slots mm -hmm. and then you have to play another action to place them on the cards. Yep. Like the way I was playing in the beginning was like I would lay a landscape card, get resources, assign those resources. Uh -huh. Play a landscape card, get resources, assign the resources. Which is a lot more difficult because then you have to get the exact resources on that card. Right. You know, usually they cost something like two water, a stone, and a wood. Which is very hard to get that yeah. exact recipe. Yep. 
And then if you're delivering your resources and you only can deliver like two waters and then you have two stones that can't be played, you can hold on to them or you can decide to throw them out. So you clear out those slots for future resources. But that's really painful because it's like I just spent a whole action trying to get these resources (laughs) and I'm going to throw them out. That's one thing that I learned after the first game was to really lay down some landscape. So I had lots of cards to assign resources to. Yeah, and I and I think that's a good point about the cards in general. When you look at this game, you see the pagoda and you're like, this is a game all about that pagoda. Mm-hmm. Upon playing it, it is, it is important to manipulate the pagoda right. Mm-hmm. But that limit of four resources is another huge component of the game that really brings in a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, you have a hand of five cards. Any action you do requires you to play a card. And each card has three elements. So they're multi-use cards. You can either use them to distribute resources to the landscape things, which is basically a, an action that's really universal and every card does it exactly the same. Yep. There's an element that lets you rotate the pagoda. And in that one, it tells you which level of the four levels you can rotate. And the final action is... The landscape. The final action is playing it to the table, and it's a little recipe of like two stones and a water that will complete this card. Yeah. And this is the part that reminded me of uh, Glory to Rome. Yeah. Or yeah. was I thinking? Cause you thought Red Cathedral was like Red Glory Cathedral to Rome. is kind of like Glory to Rome. The, I think now I'm just I'm smooshing all the games together, yeah. but it was kind of like you lay the card down, you claim it, mm-hmm. and then you fulfill the recipe, and then you get to turn it over, and it turns into a, like the actual landscape that gets yes. you points. Yes. And so in that way, they're all like glory to Rome in some way where you are laying a foundation and then you're playing resources to the foundation yes. until it's complete. And yep. then you flip it over and it's and it's good to go. Yep. So because you have a hand of five cards mm-hmm. and every turn you have to play three of them, at the end of your turn, there's a row of three cards that you can draft from or you can draw it blind off the deck. And in the earlier games, I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. The thing I was looking for most is there's different colors landscapes. So like the purple landscape is only two landscape cards until you complete the entire landscape and you get the special bonus tile for completing the landscape. Whereas, I don't know, the blue blue one is five. Yeah. So it takes a lot longer to complete, but you'll score a lot more points along the way. And of course, it's one of those things where there are much fewer purple cards in the deck Mm -hmm. than there are blue cards. So the blue cards are much more abundant. Yes. But it takes a lot more to finish the landscape. Yeah. And in my first plays, I was concentrating mostly on which section of a landscape this is. What color of a landscape is it and what section is it? Yeah. Because I don't have the fourth green landscape. So I'm looking for that one. But I would get myself into a corner because of the, the other actions on the card. So mm-hmm. then I realized since I'm throwing three of them away every turn, I don't need to get all of them of the landscapes. I need to make sure I can turn the pagoda in a lot of different ways. There's also some bonus actions where you can basically take a free resource. So I wanted a couple ones that would just give me the, the free resource of any type, mm-hmm. a couple of them that would rotate the pagoda from the top and let me collect top down and a couple that would go from bottom up yeah so you had more diversification when it came to your turn to say like okay well now the pagoda is totally different but luckily i have lots of different cards that kind of will let me take resources from different places yeah more options to manipulate it so early on i was just like these cards are mainly just good for the picking from colors for the picking from colors but after a while i was like no 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 (laughs) I need to balance that, but also make sure I have a lot of options when it comes to my turn so I'm not claiming like four resources that I just don't need. Yeah. So even though it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward, when you really get to it, to play well, 
it does require a lot of attention about how you're going to turn it, which cards you're going to draft, mm-hmm. and how you're going to play your cards and, and which sets are you going to go for. And um, we didn't really say it, but when you complete a set, you get to choose from a bonus. And the bonus is extending how many resources you can have, getting an influx of four or three resources immediately and immediately assigning them, which is an amazing so way great. to just like chain combo a whole bunch of completed landscape cards at once and the final one is just straight up points which at the end of the game is probably the one you'll want to go for so there's a few different options for bonuses and i also found those to be incredibly handy because like i took one that would allow me to hold one extra resource and i was like that's great but then you finished like two landscape cards on one turn and took a bonus tile that gave you a bunch more resources and then you completed more landscape tiles And again, because so it's a great. race to 10 completed landscape cards to finish the game, mm-hmm. watching someone finish four on a turn yeah. is real painful. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I ever scary. finished four. You might have. I think you were finishing them fast and furious. That was part of my strategy. And ending the game doesn't mean you win, right. but it means you end the game and it's time for scoring. But obviously, since you only get to build 10 cards throughout the whole game, the more cards you build, the more likely you are yeah. to win. Yeah, because I feel like there was a game where I wanted to end it the turn before and I just couldn't make it work. I just couldn't <laughs> and do it. And thank God you and couldn't because you I were did able, so much on that You turn. did so much on the next turn and then I finally ended it the, the turn right after and I still won. <laughs> you did. But <laughs> it was like, a, yeah. It I was think a, I, oh no, we tied. Was that the one where we tied, 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 hardcore tied? Yeah, we had a perfect tie, no tiebreakers, couldn't yeah. break it. And like that was the one victory. where on my last turn I was able to f- complete my tenth card, and I was so close to like just as extra completing an eleventh card, but I just couldn't make it work, and I was one so res- bummed. You were one resource short. Yeah, and then so since I went first, Chris got to finish his turn too, and he also completed his tenth card. Um, and then when the scoring happened, we were tied. We're like, oh, what's the tiebreaker? It's like who completed the most. Uh, landscapes and we had tied i can't remember what the next tiebreaker was but we were tied on that too so Mm -hmm. it was oh i would have beaten chris so bad (laughs) like if we if i could have just ended it that one round but i just couldn't collect the right resources it just wouldn't work so uh in that case i wonder if there was a first player advantage or disadvantage and then the final tiebreaker could have just been like Whoever was first player. I guess that's not a very satisfying tiebreaker (laughs) (laughs) because then you're just mad that you went first. Yeah, because you usually go first. Yeah. Well, usually because I just don't want to go first because I'm just like, no, you never played it. So usually my first turn is an instruction turn for you. Yep. I kind of look to you to see like, oh, okay, that's what he does. I remember the first time that we played, I can't remember. I was like, I might have been in a funk or something. I don't know. But it was so hard to play those first couple of rounds. You, yeah, I was was afraid you weren't going to like it. You were in a, it was just too many decisions at once where you had these five cards and you could rotate the pagoda and you would rotate it and then, and then you'd be like, okay, I'm going to take it. Oh, fuck, I have to do it top down. And then you'd be all mad and you'd be like, oh my God, uh, no, take it back. And then you'd like take it back and you'd be like, and you like had like a good five minutes where you just couldn't decide. I'm usually pretty quick. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm a pretty quick player, but like, oh my God, I was just, yeah, taking like five minutes for a freaking turn and mm-hmm. I just could not get in a flow. And I just did not, because I didn't know what I was building towards. I didn't know what 
would be the best decision to make because there were so many decisions you could make. And it's like, if you're going to lay a landscape card down first, which one are you going to lay down? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had no idea. I didn't know that purple was only two. Like, well, I guess it shows you on the card, but I didn't know what that really meant. You know, I didn't know that blue was like five cards. So that was like the first landscape I started building was the blue landscape, which which I completed, but it's the longest one. So yeah, I was just like, I was just totally paralyzed (laughs) with just decision making i had analysis paralysis hardcore but then Mm -hmm. after that first game even after those first few rounds it started making a lot more sense because that was when i was just laying a landscape getting resources allotting resources Mm -hmm. or assigning resources over and over and over again and finally i was like this isn't doing anything for me and then so i think the big thing that changed it up for me was like i laid there was one turn where i laid three landscapes yep And then I was like, oh, now I have all these different landscapes that need different resources. And so basically anything I take from the resource tower is going to be beneficial. And that like is when it started clicking for me. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of been playing with that uh, strategy ever since then where I just like, like we'll take a few turns to just like lay down a couple landscapes, collect resources, and then they can just go out wherever, Mm -hmm. which is really nice because then if I pull that four resource bonus tile, Maybe I did have four cards that were almost full. I think you did because I just think you needed were doing like that one resource, you, and then I just went boop 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 boop. You and were then like I had holding four cards off. to turn over. You were holding off, and if something required four, you'd put three on, mm-hmm. and then you would just wait, and then on one turn you'd be able to complete a whole bunch on. Oh, and it felt a turn. so good. Yeah, that was just just makes it all worth it for not completing one. You can just complete all four. I don't even know if I was doing putting three on there on purpose. <laughs> You kind of do want to complete them early just so you get those bonus tiles because the earlier you can get those bonus yes, tiles, the better. Yes, makes a big difference. They're really Especially important. if you take the bonus tile, that gives you an extra space mm-hmm. in your resource slots. Yep. I do see those bonus tiles as a progression where during the game, I probably would always take the one that gives me an extra slot to hold for first. the first landscape I complete. The second one would be the one that gives me an influx of resources. And then the third one would and just be points. points because, yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. So I, I kind of wish there was more different types and you'd mix in like three per game or whatever but it's not it's not a huge deal the last thing that we didn't really mention but we said when you complete these cards you score and how that works is each card has a color of the landscape you're building but it also has a different color for the type of god you're appeasing that always that confused me it does it is a little bit confusing i kind of wish they were like more icon driven or something instead of color yeah but but when you when I complete a card, if it appeases the purple god, mm-hmm. I move up on the purple god's score track, and there's four different score tracks along the top. Um, and then let's say I play another card to that landscape and complete it. I score that affiliated god and every other card I've finished in that landscape. Yep. So that's why the blue landscape takes forever to build. But the first card you finish in that landscape is going to score five times because it's activated for every other card mm-hmm. that is completed in that landscape. Yeah. And you can only go to 10 on all of these tracks, which isn't that difficult. And the interesting decision in this game, and I'm, I'm not even sure what it does exactly, but it is kind of just an interesting tension, is if you get to the 10th space on a track and you gain any more favor with that god, mm-hmm. instead of going up any further, everyone else on that track falls down a point of favor. Yeah. Crucially, and this has never happened yet. But I could see it happening and it being really painful is if you can push somebody below, if you can push somebody to zero on the 
favor track. Mm-hmm. They fall off the favor track and they can just never score in that done. color ever they're again. They're done on that favor track. <laughs> yeah. So that's 10 points out of 40 yeah. that they will never get. It's not mean, but it's I've just never really seen a lot of things where it's just like you cap at 10, but then you just push everyone else down after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it, the value is of that well, besides that tension of falling off the track. Yeah. Because there definitely were times because some of those colored cards, like the, the gods... It's a wild card. That's and true. And you can choose which color you want to do. Yes. And so when I have the choice to choose, I will choose the track that you are the highest on. Mm-hmm. Because if you get to 10, that's the only thing you can do is start pushing me back. Yep. And if I'm only at three, you can push me off the board really quickly. Yeah. The other thing that is interesting is there's a two-point jump between eight and 10. So I think six, eight, 10. Oh, 6, 8, 10, I think really? it goes 6, 8, 10. Okay. I think it goes 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 10. Okay, so the final spaces are worth more points. So yeah. you really want to push people back down off of 10. If you can knock them off 10, it's a bigger swing of points. That's true. So that is an interesting tension where I didn't really realize that at first until I really looked at it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, which one should I push Casey down on? Oh, I should definitely push her down on the the track she was uh, 10 on because it will cost her more points than otherwise. It also is that final push between being at 8 and 10 is a big deal where you're like, ooh, if I can push this one up, it's just a slightly better boost than pushing anything else up. And you really need those little boosts because it's a close game. Like it's probably going to be a close race to finishing the game and then it's going to probably be the difference between a scoring bonus tile or finishing one more card or pushing someone back from a 10 to an 8 on the victory track because yep. it can definitely come in to be really close. I think there was a game that you beat me just by a bonus tile that it. you got like on your last turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it was really great. That's And I've been pulled to play it. I'm just excited to play it. I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about Four Gardens. It's yeah. a pretty simple game. It's a little lighter than my normal like sweet spot. Yeah. But there's always a need for those kind of games. And I think it hits the zone of a thing like a Splendor, Mm -hmm. an Azul, you know, really those kind of like easy to teach kind of abstract puzzly games that, you know, are just kind of seamless to play. Yeah. It really falls within that for me. I really feel like it's not a replacement for those, but in addition to that library of those kind of titles that I can just pull out with a family or with anybody and just play them, play them at work, play them anywhere. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of um, kids movies that adults can also watch, you know, like that have little inside jokes for adults. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's still a really good movie. Maybe has really good music. Like Moana is really good. I was going to say Moana. You know, like those kind of movies. But it's kind of like that where the barrier entry is low enough for new players or people that aren't super board game geeks uh, or younger people. Mm -hmm. um, or older folks too like grandparents um, where it's like this is a game that they can catch on to and really enjoy but for the super gamer like you it's still intriguing enough to keep your interest as well it's like you want to play it too I will and I might not want to play it forever but there was Mm -hmm. a time where I love Splendor and I'd always be up for a game of Splendor yeah I hit the saturation point where I'm just like there's not anything for me here you got out of it what you wanted to get out of it. yeah but I it's it's so worth introducing to people that Mm -hmm. I still suffered through games you know like (laughs) it's never horrible but it's like I'm just not it's not the most interesting thing in the world to me Azul I think is better than Splendor yeah but there's a point where I have taught Azul many a times. Yes. And although I like it more than Splendor, it's still getting to the point where I'm like, we could play Azul. It's a great game. But I've just played it so many times. So I am yeah. always looking for that next 
yeah. Azul, Splendor, you know, whatever that type of game is. Mm-hmm. I was super interested to get this game import it it's a beautiful production yeah it seemed like a really interesting mechanism that it kind of functions around but i'm also like i'm not under the assumption that i'm going to play this as my new favorite game of all time no, it's totally. more just like this is a beautiful game that now i can bring to my family now i can bring it to work and play with work friends now i can bring it to the brewery and play with you know some of my less gamery friends yeah you don't have to spend an hour explaining it yeah. not in three hours playing it I'm you like, know first let me introduce you to the concept <laughs> of <laughs> ocean master yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so um, um no it's kind of like the sweet treat of games mm-hmm. and instead of eating twinkies we're now eating Ghirardelli chocolates and it's like you can't load up on it and eat it all of the time but when you do you want it to be as good as it can be yeah um and I feel like it's a good investment and yeah it it might burn out after a while but it's gonna be a while and you're gonna introduce it to a lot of people yeah and I think the movie analogy is really good because even though my favorite movie might be Requiem for a Dream Mm -hmm. is that your favorite movie no, not it's just an example. It's just an example. Okay. It used to be my favorite, I'm one of my so favorite about movies, you. but um, that was back when I was a snobbish film <laughs> yeah. student. <laughs> that sounds like a like a freshman in college favorite movie. I was a freshman in college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yes. So although something like that might be yes. your favorite movie, you're probably going to get a lot more mileage out of something like uh, Moana that you can watch with your kids on, on repeat and yeah. still be charmed by the rock every time he sings you're welcome oh, and and uh jermaine and yeah jermaine so good Clement. i might want to i just might want to listen to those songs right after this it's They're a good, so, it's it's a so good, good. yeah yeah you can watch it with nibblings you can watch it with your friends you can watch it on an airplane you can watch you can watch it on an airplane without being like oh <laughs> who's watching this behind my back you can watch it with your parents and not feel awkward yep. it's the sweet spot it is yeah so two thumbs up for for gardens four gardens yeah and so as i mentioned at the beginning of the description this Mm -hmm. is a game that i imported from korea Mm -hmm. which is probably more than some people want to deal with deal with but the good news is and and of course what happened as soon as it arrived in the mail the next day i think they said (laughs) guess what four gardens is coming to america which is awesome and it's coming soon i think in a couple months Maybe even April. Oh, that's great. I'd love I'm excited to see what the production is like. It's the exact same. Is it the exact yeah, same? Yeah, I've seen the box. It's like the same box with uh with just English lettering. With yeah, four gardens written on it in English. Mm. Yeah. So soon in April, everyone will have the chance to pick it up if you're interested. Yeah. What a great springtime game. Four gardens. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful spring. It's fantastic, game. yeah. And you could play it outside. Maybe not today. It's a little rainy out today, but maybe by the time this comes out in the US you could play it outside. I'm sure you can. Maybe not on a windy day. It'd probably knock the tower over mm-hmm. or the cards, fly the cards away. But we will leave it game. up to you. Yeah. Listener discretion. <laughs> if you feel like it's appropriate to play outside, you are legally allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very nice to play this in a garden. Yes. Here's a thought. Next time we record, yeah, we will be recording in our new house. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Hopefully, knock on wood. Yes. Oh, my god. Things gosh. can always go wrong at the last minute. But <sighs> hopefully next time we record, we'll be in a beautiful new recording studio of some kind. <laughs> A.K.A. one of our offices. One of our offices. Well, right now we're like in your We're attic. in a pod loft. Yeah. We're in, is that what this is? Yeah. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> that's basically what this whole upstairs is used for. It's is true. for podcasting and mm-hmm. biking. Yep. That's it. So, so next time we talk to our lovely listeners, we will be in our beautiful new home, hopefully. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. 
Yeah, but I think that's it. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? Yes. Yes, I do. Let me make sure not to screw it up. So Instagram is shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Twitter is shuffle underscore buddies. Mm -hmm. And then we're on the world wide web. The world wide web at shufflebuddies.com. Yeah. And there we have a about page where you can see our beautiful faces. You can yes. also, more importantly, CEV. CEV. I was going to say, see oh. my widget of the most recent five games I've played. My widget's on there too from Board Game Geek, but I have not updated it in a very long time. So it's stuck on some very fantastic on games. On some very fantastic games. So it makes true. it look like I'm really cool. Yeah. I in do. The board I, game world. <laughs> I'm just pointing that out because every time I play a game, when I play a really good game, when I play like Anachrony or the Red Cathedral or something that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will go to our website and look at that widget just to see it update and be like, ooh, look at ooh, that. Ooh, look what, how great my game taste. <laughs> what great taste I have. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> who is this tasteful man? <laughs> I don't it's know why, but I have to look at it. I have, when I when I play like if I play like something on Board Game Arena with my family that I'm just like whatever we played it a million times, I don't care. Yeah. But when I play something new or yeah something that I'm just like yeah that's awesome. I want it I go, to show up to me. Yeah, sure I go look at it. it for some reason. I get that when I first like embedded my widget into my personal website, which is nothing. I did check it to make sure like, and then I updated it and I was like, ooh, now Wingspan is on there. Mm, <laughs> that's and, how long it's been. It stayed forever. Oh. But I have some good games on there. What else is on there? Oh, if anybody wants to contact us, like if you don't see us on social media, um, you can contact us through the website. Mm -hmm. A cool thing might be if anybody has any games that you want us to review. Yeah. That'd be fun. Or even just talk about. Oh, chances yeah. are pretty good I've played it, so maybe we won't do a full segment. Yeah, I probably haven't played it. Oh, you so might have. I, there's, I, there's a possibility You've I've played, played it. hundreds of games at this point. I probably have. I wish I would have been keeping track on Board Game Geek. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, so that's where we are. And then uh, basically you can listen to us anywhere now, I think. You Tell can. your friends, maybe get them into board gaming. And hopefully when we're all vaccinated, we can have a big board game get together because I'm sure Chris has lots of board games that he wants to get rid of too. <laughs> so maybe we'll have a big board game flea market slash play day. Yeah, that would be a good idea. That'd be fun. And with that, shall we shuffle away? We'll shuffle to the garden. You can shuffle. I'll do the wind. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Oh, did I shuffle long enough? <laughs> I think so. Thank you.